I finally gave it to my friend Chuck here, who um, I said, "Would you read this and tell me where, how it going if it's going to change my career?" And he read it, and I remember his phone message the next day. It said, "You can do this. Your career will survive." But hey, <laughs> he had his he had some of the same concerns I did, and but he was right. Uh, it was at the time in contrast to the 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 character I was playing in L.A. Law, and I'd already done one kind of shocking thing in Dark Man, and this was kind of cementing me in a certain direction. That was my primary concern. Is that, and people say that it's pretty much the second movie you do, not necessarily the first, that kind of puts your career on a path, and it did. Uh, that sort of put me in the horror sci-fi genre. I was at a party once, and a lady said, and I, I, I said as my joke, I said, talking about my career, I said, apparently I have a face that's good for scaring 12-year-old kids. And she said, yes, you do. <laughs> and I said, you're supposed to argue with me. Hey there, film fans. Welcome back to a, another spooky episode of Not A Bomb Podcast. This is the show where we go back and talk about the movies that bomb theatrically. And maybe the critics just didn't like. Brad Spooktober rolls on. We have another listener pick. What are we talking about tonight? Troy, we are going back to medical school and we are seeing the slasher film Dr. Giggles from 1992. Directed by Manti, Manny Koto. Manny Koto. Do you remember who picked this for us? By uh, any this chance? comes in from listener Michael H. Michael H. Okay. Uh, I'm going to remember that name uh, when we talk about this film. So, hey, real quick, we've, we've got our always, I mean, at this point, he's just pretty much family. Our, our good uh, friend, Sammy from the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. How are you doing tonight, Sammy? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. I appreciate you guys letting me uh, ride out this October with you. It's been nice. Uh, it's been interesting. It's been a good time. Um, I'm watching something currently behind the scenes for the next Breaking Brad that makes me want to quit watching movies again. But other than that, everything's good. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that. Absolutely. Well, between your show and this show, I mean, it, it's all horror films, right? So... Just, yeah, a heavy diet of horror. Yep. Yeah, real quick. I mean, um, I, I, how how's the how are the viewings going? Has has anything popped up that's been kind of uh, a first time watch that surprised you? Or I know when we were kicking off Spooktober, we were like, hey, here's some of the films we want to try and get to this month. I mean, 
How's all that going, Brad, with you? I am making my way through the Nightmare on Elm Street series. Um, it uh, It's not as bad as I remember. I think I'm having way more fun than I had anticipated, to be perfectly honest with you. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I think some of the later ones that I had problems with, I'm, I'm just kind of chalking up to new line trying to figure this series out and throwing a lot of stuff at the wall. Freddie does get kind of annoying. Um, and then news flashed everyone. Freddie can be annoying in some of those films, but I, I like them. And I guess one of the things that really gets to me is they do a lot of this stuff really practically. And to me, it, it, it still kind of holds up. It's got a charm. Mm -hmm. Um, so I have gone through, let's see, uh, how many have I gone? Yeah. Where, where are you up to in the series at this point? I am trying to think because we've watched a bunch. I also got in my annual viewing of The Shining, nice. Um, nice. which and then we uh, finished that up with um, Dr. Sleep, which oh, is nice. slept on. Um, oh, so I am up to. There. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I am up to number five. So the dream child. Okay. So mm-hmm. we're almost out of the eighties, which from what I remember, Friday, the 13th nightmare on Elm street should have just stayed in the eighties. Um, so when we get to the nineties, it gets a little bit weird, but I am a stark defender of Wes Craven's new nightmare as like the proto scream. So I assume yeah. you're doing the remake and Freddy versus Jason and all those as well. Yes, you throwing those in yes. there? Okay. Cause I remember when Freddy versus Jason was, was being talked about, I was big into film internet at the time. And that was all the talk the nerds were talking about was Freddy V Jason. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Uh, any, any discoveries? I know you're going through a series, but I, you've been watching a bunch of stuff too. I didn't know if there was a first time watch or something and you're like, Oh, that, that surprised me. Um, I did check smile off. I had, I did not see that in the theater. I saw smile. I liked it quite a bit as well. So yeah, so far this October, I don't think I've seen anything that I like outright hated. Well, well, yet we'll get to, we'll get to that later. (laughs) Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, so far, a quite successful Spooktober. Awesome. What about you, Sammy? I, I, you're what you're like on double time with all the stuff you're you're putting down. Yeah, I'm watching a lot of stuff, but uh, really, I, I I really just you know as is typical with me, I didn't do a series this year. Just really couldn't get myself committed. The wounds are still not healed from Saul. No, they're still not healed, <laughs> and. Uh, so I just didn't do that this year, but, uh, I have been going back and looking at some things that I thought were dreadful, weirdly mm-hmm. first time I saw them. And one of those was, uh, uh, blood for Dracula, the Paul Morrissey, Andy Warhol film. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I went back and looked at that and I kind of talked about this on our show a little bit this week. And, uh, you know, that, that is not a bad Dracula film. And I'm kind of surprised to say that I used to think it was one of the worst films I've ever seen, but it really, uh, you know, maybe breaking Brad has really kind of <laughs> <laughs> put things in perspective. You should do appreciation for film. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I can definitely say this after breaking Brad. It's not the worst Dracula film I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, okay. I, I remember watching it. Didn't Criterion put it out on Laserdisc? At oh, one yeah. Point? yeah. It, was, it was early on. Yeah. yeah. I don't even know what the spine number would have been, but it was very early. And I brought this up on our podcast that 
that was when I realized that, you know, critical praise doesn't mean everything. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's the, the cult of the film itself. And those Warhol films, those two films in particular, Flesh for Frankenstein and Blood for Dracula, they have a cult following. Yeah. And uh, they always have. They've had them since me and you were little boys. Yeah, I, I remember selling both those Laserdiscs at a premium uh, mm. to, to some folks because, yeah. I mean, people were just going nuts to try and find those films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was interesting to rewatch it and kind of play around, watch the way Morrissey kind of plays around with the mythos and stuff. And then, of course, you know, see cult actors like Udo Kier and Joe D'Alessandro mm. and, and stuff like that. And it's oversexed and gross in the right ways and also gross in the wrong ways. And it's it's kind of fun. It's kind of interesting. Okay. Well, I uh, I think I surpassed Sammy in the Saw franchise. Uh, my my goal was to get to all of them, and I think I think I still have some time to catch. Was it number ten that's in the theater? But yes. I I did get up to nine, which I think was just called Spiral with uh, Chris Rock, oh, Chris Samuel Rock. Jackson. Yeah, I didn't. I I stopped at eight. Yeah, so, so you didn't Jigsaw. see Jigsaw or Spiral? Uh, no, I. Was Jigsaw nine? Jigsaw was nine, I think. Okay, so no, I saw Jigsaw. No, Jigsaw was eight. You're right. Eight. Yeah. Okay. No, I got Jigsaw. You got Jigsaw. You didn't see Spiral. Yeah. Jigsaw, which honestly wasn't nearly as bad as some of those other ones. Uh, I agree. It's it, and even Spiral, it's different enough that I kind of enjoyed it. Is it more police procedural in a way? It, it is. It okay. is. I, Chris Rock, it, I will say it's not his finest performance. But I, I just, I kind of enjoyed it a little bit. I'm really, let me say this after, after going through saw four through seven, it gets dark. I'm like, okay, I, it, I will say they were at least somewhat entertaining in, to some degree. Yeah. yeah. Jigsaw was kind of a pleasant surprise after um, four through seven. I, I kind of enjoyed it. Yeah. It's not great, but it's, I, I found it watchable compared to the last two I'd seen up to that point. I think so. It's it's one of those things where when you're watching these back to back, um, it's easier to appreciate some of them than others. I would have imagined if I'd seen these theatrically or when they came out and you'd have that um, space between them there, they, you would go, Oh, it's pretty forgettable. And, and these are, these are kind of terrible, but I've enjoyed the journey so far. And, it's kind of weird. It, it kind of takes a dip and it feels like it's coming back around a little bit so far. Nothing to um, the first one. And, and I really enjoy the second and third one. Um, but I'm, I am now really curious about 10. So Apparently it's good. Yeah. Everyone I've talked to said it's like pretty good. Yeah. Which I was shocked by. I haven't heard anybody in our circle say it's bad yet. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's I, pretty, uh, that's rare. I don't think I have. I don't think I've heard that since Saw One. I know. <laughs> I still have time to squeeze in my hopping vampire movies that I want to do. Maybe the eye. I don't know. It's it, the, the schedule's been nuts. I will say this: I discovered a film. I put it on our social media post today uh, because I was really curious if anybody else had seen this. And it and it, it was just one of those DVDs that was sitting off to the side, and um, happened to be with a, a group of people that we know. And it was like, hey, let's just put a film in, not really expecting. Well, with the group I was with, you were kind of hoping it would be just crazy bad. And Uh oh, boy, did it did this movie deliver. So I had heard about this film with Tony Curtis and Burgess Meredith called The Manitou. Uh, 
<laughs> and um, is that what you watched? We watched the Manitou. Oh it, wow! It was with uh, my wife, which <laughs> um, let, let me tell you, my wife hates terrible movies, but even <laughs> she was like, "What the heck is going on?" and just laughing her butt off um, through this entire runtime. But I, I mean, I we have to talk about this, Brad. Like, this is going on the list for next year. Okay. It, it it. Do you know anything about this film? I don't. The only thing I know is Burgess Meredith, legendary sick man. So uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. Let me. Um, I know you've seen this, right, Sammy? Uh, yeah, we reviewed it as well. It's actually yes. uh, it. It. I'm quite the fan, as you would imagine. Uh, especially with that ending. Oh my God, it's bonkers. I mean, I love Tony Curtis. Oh, you're gonna love Tony Curtis in this thing. Oh boy. Okay. It's not so the best way I could probably describe this if I were doing like an elevator pitch is hey, let's rip off The Exorcist but do it with Native American like um folklore and and have um I don't know, instead of an exorcism, let's have a couple of medicine men go at it. But one of them is an evil medicine man that happens to When you be, say go at it, what do you mean? I, I mean, they have like a medicine man like fight, I guess. Oh, okay. But but one of them comes out of some lady's back and happens to only be four foot tall. So he's, he's sort of like a Native American dwarf. I um, believe that director is from around these parts. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. William Girdler. Yeah, he's uh, Louisville, Kentucky's William Girdler. He's buried in uh, the cemetery there. In That's Louisville. right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's Didn't nuts. It it is the most insane thing I have seen in years, and I had a blast with it. Like it's one of those films. As soon as I watch this, I'm like, why didn't we watch this the last time we were together? But I'm telling you, the next time we're together and and we're watching movies, we're gonna watch the Manitou. It's it's amazing. Apparently, there's a Blu-ray out there with a bunch of special features that I now have to go and get <laughs> because the DVD just just came kind of bare bones. Uh, I think it was an Anchor Bay thing. And again, it's just sitting in the unwatched pile for so long, but I can't believe people didn't tell me about this thing. I mean, I, I now that you say that, Sammy, I do remember you guys talking about it on the show. I remember another film that was pretty bonkers too, The Visitor. You guys um, reviewed that one too, right? Yeah, The Visitor's crazy as well, but it's Italian crazy. Okay, so it's, you know you kind of you kind of have expectations of it being a little bonkers. Okay, but the Manitou is mm, man, it's something else. Yeah, it just it. I, I'm telling you, just go watch the trailer, Brad. And I'm you're you're. I I don't know. I'm speechless. I'm speechless thinking about it because I'm thinking about the last 15 minutes and even the dialogue and what goes out. And if I were to sit here and describe it to you, you'd think I was I I, I was taking drugs or something. It's, uh, it's so out there. Yeah, if you try to explain to somebody, they're going to think you're making it up. Like yeah, it, it, it's that kind of ending. It's like, are you making that up? Like, no, no, I'm not. Somebody else did. But it wasn't me. It so here here's the thing. Since we had uh, finished, um, is it Garth Marenghi's Dark Place? Mm-hmm. Uh, it felt to me wait, wait what greatest show ever made. Greatest show ever made. Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. It it felt like Garth Marenghi actually wrote the book The Manitou, and I guess this movie is based on a book. Um, but it felt like Garth Marenghi had created this book, and then made a film and where dark place is intentionally kind of naked gunish lampoonish, et cetera. The, the Manitou is, is shot to be entirely serious, but it comes off as something from dark place. Okay. 
with Tony okay. Curtis and legendary Stickman. Stickman. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, murder. I think what's interesting about that film and Girdler made a lot of bonkers films. Uh, I'm a big fan of him. You know, he made Abby and he made uh, the Grizzly. Yeah, which is maybe the best Jaws ripoff. And uh, yeah, that one just it it just has a whole other level. It just it goes that much further than yeah. it has any need to go. Yeah, if if Grizzly is one of the best Jaws ripoffs, the Manitou is one of the best Exorcist <laughs> ripoffs, but not in the quality department, just in the bonkers department. Yeah, no, there's some good Exorcist ripoffs. I, th- I think the Entity is a good one too. That's the yeah. the Barbara Hershey raped oh, back. Shout Factory's got it on Blu-ray for like twenty four bucks. Oh, this product is no longer available. Yeah, yeah. Uh oh. Well, uh-huh. I have the duty. It's may have, pay, may have to pay a premium or go digital. I know Troy won't do that, but Brad, I will. Yeah, eh, maybe if that means I can watch it like tonight. Sure, there you go. Well, I I can't wait for you to see it. Um, what's funny on the Anchor Bay, it had a trailer for another '80s film called Superstition, I think, which is a, something else that's been put on Blu-ray. But the trailer on that one it was like, well, that's an instant got to order. So that's going to be here in a couple of days, and I can't wait to watch that one. Um, but yeah, that's man, Manitou. Check it out. If you haven't seen it, we're, we're definitely going to talk about it next year, but okay. so let's, let's talk about 1992's Dr. Giggles. Uh, <laughs> Brad, let's, let's go back to the nineties. Um, we had a lively discussion when we talked about night of the creeps and we all ca- kind of came to a conclusion that, you know, the eighties might be one of the best decades in horror films. So we're leaving the eighties and we're going into the 90s and early 90s slasher, right? Yeah, it's a little rough in the early 90s here with our slashers. Like I said, some of these guys should have stayed in the 80s. Uh, you can argue maybe Dr. Giggles should have stayed there as well. So we have Dr. Giggles released October 23rd, 1992. So they did do one thing right. Mm-hmm. They released it around Halloween with a reported budget of $7 million dollars. Dr. Giggles makes $8.4 million in its total box office run. And that, my friends, is not a good investment. Um, Opening weekend, it makes $2.7 million. That's good enough for seventh place. And listen to the films that it gets beat out by. We have Under Siege, Last of the Mohicans, Mm -hmm. Candyman, The Mighty Ducks, Consenting Adults, and Pure Country. I know all those films pretty well, except for Pure Country. Uh, Pure, that's, I, a, that's a George Strait movie. It is. Yeah, uh, that's probably why I. It's not yeah. bad. I I like it. It's pretty good. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's yeah. It is what it is. Yeah. I'm not going to comment on. It. I don't. I don't have a feeling about it one way or the other. <laughs> it's <laughs> not. I, not I, I'm same way, but I would say it's not terrible. I actually kind of. Oh no, no, it's, yeah. it's very watchable. Mm-hmm. So it's basically a Star Is Born essentially. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, okay. Um, not only is Dr. Giggles a financial bomb, critically, it sits at 23% with the critics and a 42% with the audience. Uh, so not not great. But, ladies and gentlemen of the audience, I bring to you movieguide.org. Uh-oh. Hold review. on. You, are you ready? You, I'm you ready. Do you have a movie guide? Okay. I do. All right. Let me, let me get things warmed up, and we're ready. Okay. Blessed the father. Um, so Dr. Giggles um, on uh, 
Movie Guide, and those who do not know, Movie Guide is a Christian website that reviews films not for their quality, but for their content. And they use a plus four to minus four scale. Gentlemen, where do we think Dr. Giggles sits on their scale? Choice arrow, I will go with you first. Me? Um, I don't know. I feel like it's it's kind of an indictment on uh, the medical industry. And uh, it's saying some pretty, you know, important social and, and political aspects. I'm, I'm going to say, uh, but it, it is kind of gory. So I'm going to say negative three. Negative three for Troy. Uh, I'm going to say negative three as well. I don't feel like it's a negative four for some reason. Well, you both be wrong because it is a negative four. Oh, wow. really? Okay. Oh. Here we go. 14 obscenities, one profanity, semicolon. Uh-huh. <laughs> Woman fondled with severed hands, comma. Man injected with poison, which causes him to vomit blood, comma. Miming and killing. Maiming and killing with various uh, medical instruments, including saws, comma. When you, needles, say, comma. when you say miming and killing, is it is it with maiming. mimes? Ma- maiming. Oh, maiming. Maiming. Okay. maiming. <laughs> Got it. Uh, thermometers, comma. Scissors, comma. Yeah. And gruesomely improvised surg- surgery equipment, comma. Boy cuts his way out of a corpse he's been sewn into, comma. Man operates on himself to extract bullets, Mm -hmm. comma. Many gory close-up shots of open chests of both living and dead people, semicolon. And, comma, implied sexual relations between teenage couple and, quote-unquote, safe sex message. Oh, okay. I want to read this little passage from their actual review. Just like the first sentence, <clears throat> Dr. Giggles is full of some of the most gruesome violent violence imaginable, made especially perverse by the use of bizarre medical equipment to kill and maim, coupled with the brutality, are several one-liners. And then it says, Giggles are some new, some new kind of comedy. That's the sentence. Here's here. This is what people don't understand. This is their sentence. Giggles. Uh-huh. Or some new kind of comedy. That that's an actual sentence. That is a sentence. There's so much wrong with that one. Okay. Yes. Okay. Right. And films you could have seen October of 1992. We have Hero, The Mighty Ducks, Mister Baseball, Of Mice and Men, 1492, some film called Reservoir Dogs, Ooh, and I River Runs Through It, Under Siege. Oh, okay. Yeah, in the same weekend, you could have seen 1492, Reservoir Dogs, A River Runs Through It, and Under Siege. Uh, then we have Candyman, Consenting Adults, Life in the City, Mr. Giggles, Pure Country, and Rampage, and Waterland are your the films you could have seen October of 1992. Troy. Ram- Rampage. Would that be the William Freakin uh, serial killer movie? It would be. Oh, goodness. Okay. Well, huh. can we talk about the horror movies of 1992? Some of the bigger ones that came out that year? Please. Okay. So I, I think it's a very interesting year. I It's not a throwaway year. If, if you go back and actually look at what came out along um, the same lines as Dr. Giggles. I know one that came out because I saw it on the uh, the next month. It'd be Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah, there, there's some heavy hitters in here. So I'm, I'm going to start. I, I went through just alphabetically and pulled a sampling. And let me know if, if you kind of see a theme here or if there are any surprises. 
So in the sci-fi alien uh, category, we have Alien 3. Ooh, David Fincher, yes. David Fincher. We also get Sam Raimi's Army of Darkness. We get okay. Peter Jackson's Brain Dead, also known as Dead Alive. Dead Alive. Bram Stoker's Dracula, which you've already mentioned. Buffy the Vampire Slayer debuts this year. Candyman, which you've already listed. Uh, Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth. So we've we've got sequels, you know, being churned out. Uh, John Landis takes on the vampire mythos with Innocent Blood. And then uh, we have a film that The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, one, one of my favorite times you guys have reviewed something, just because some of the uh, some of the lines from your podcast kind of lived on through other podcasts, but um, that's one called Sleepwalkers, uh, the oh. Mick Garris film. <laughs> so, yeah. get it wet. Yes. Uh, excuse me. It's Stephen King's Sleepwalkers. Sorry, yeah. Stephen King's Sleepwalk, but it's directed by Mick Garris, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I, do, do you find that to be sort of an interesting year for horror films? It's kind of scatterbrained. It is. Like it's all over the place. Like prestige horror, big budget horror, and Alien 3. Uh, new ideas like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Candyman. Yeah, it's like all over the place. Well, there's there's a, there's a one theme that kind of sticks out to me. Um, comedy horror is alive and well in 92. So yeah. between Army of Darkness, Dead Alive, mm-hmm. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and even Innocent Blood... I was really surprised how many high-profile films, um, and even Doctor Giggles. Doctor Giggles is was meant as sort of a horror comedy. Um, they they were you know the studios were really trying that blend out that year, as well as putting some dark stuff out there like you know Hellraiser three or Candyman. Yeah, it was a transitional time in horror. I think. Yeah, I think so. But Candyman was dark. Was dire in a lot of ways. Yeah, there's a nice mix in there. There is. I've seen, I think I've seen all of those. Yeah. I love, I love the original candy man. So good. It's not a bad year at all. I mean, if, if you're a horror fan, 92 delivered, um, a lot of films that, I mean, we're still watching today, obviously and yeah. talking about. Yeah. So, uh, well, let's talk about the people we made this. We'll start with director Manny Cotto. Um, not a huge resume when you're talking about the movies that he made leading up to Dr. Giggles. He had worked on playroom from 1990 which I think went to direct a video. I've never seen that. Yeah. And another one starring Lou Gossett Jr. As well as Dolph Lundgren. I think they did this after they worked on the Punisher together and it was called cover up. Oh yeah. Cover up is awesome. Yep. From 1991 and then Dr. Giggles in 92. And from there, I, I mean, really his filmography, I haven't seen any of these star kid, the other me Xenon, the sequel. You've never seen star kid. Huh? Oh, cause you weren't, young like me in the 90s nope sure wasn't uh, yeah i remember the star kid i remember the cover mm-hmm. i've never seen the film okay well what's what's interesting about our director is he was the executive producer and showrunner for star trek enterprise in its fifth season and executive producer of four seasons of the hit television show 24 and mm-hmm. he was also an executive producer and writer for the fifth season of the showtime television series dexter so he has a very interesting background and a lot of American Horror Story stuff too, right? Yes, and I think he did an episode for Creepshow. So probably, I, I don't know, and maybe, maybe I'm off on this, but it seems like he's more well-known for his television output more so than than theatrical. Is that, is that safe to say? 
definitely uh, for his writing yeah. credits for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to say yeah, the, none of his film stuff even regardless if you like cover up or star kid or whatever, it doesn't really jump out at me. Yeah. A hundred percent. Now he also wrote the screenplay, but he shares that credit with one Graham Whiffler. Uh, Graham doesn't necessarily have a, uh, just a stunning resume. Um, we've, we've got stuff like sunny boy from 89, Dr. Giggles in 92, um, neighborhood watch in 2005, which he also directed, uh, and then if you look at his directing resume, he, he actually did a lot of music videos and then cinematography is done by Robert Draper. The thing that kind of pops out since we're in spooky season is he was the cinematographer for Halloween five, the revenge of Michael Myers from 1989, everything else on his resume is kind of pedestrian. So let's, let's go to the front of the camera real quick. And I'm going to start with Larry Drake. So Sammy, I want to start with you. Um, I, because we're of similar age, I think Larry Drake was known to us more through a particular television series. And then he transitioned to sort of a big role for Sam Raimi and dark man. But is was that your experience with them? Uh, yeah, no, I, I had seen him on, you know, TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't really know him much more than that. A couple of character actor roles. Uh, so this was a kind of a big deal for him, uh, to get a lead and, you know, eventually, uh, he is in those dark man sequels and stuff, but, uh, I always thought he had a, he's got an interesting face. Um, he's got really good eyes. Um, but, uh, he's never really, I mean, he's a good character actor, but he's not even as a character actor. He doesn't really light the world on fire for me. Okay. Well, what about you, Brad? Um, LA law. I was going to say, I watched LA law with my mom a lot. Okay. So that's where I know him from. Yeah, so he was in 143 episodes of that show from 87 to 94 as Benny, um, which was sort of a a fan favorite. He ended up winning two primetime Emmy Awards for his performance on that show. And Mm -hmm. then um, I think a lot of people that might be in our circle probably would recognize him outside of um, L.A. Law and Dr. Giggles for his turn as the big heavy in Sam Raimi's Darkman from 1990, which I I thought he was fantastic in actually like him in the sequels too. So yeah, he's a lot of fun in that film in particular. Didn't he's just what's pretty good and everything he's in though. Yeah. It, it's weird. Well, cause like Benny had a, like a disability mm-hmm. and I, I don't know if they get away with something like that today. Um, so there's a throwback to when someone who was not disabled could play a disabled character and it not seem offensive. Yeah. Yeah. You probably couldn't do that today. You're right. Isn't it weird? So Corbin Burnson was in L.A. Law as well, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, we've got Larry Drake that goes on to do Dr. Giggles. And didn't Corbin Burnson go on to do The Dentist, another sort of uh, horror <laughs> yes, film? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah Ooh, I want that crossover. <laughs> okay, the, the Dentist and Dr. Giggles. Mm-hmm. All right. R- real quick piece of trivia. Larry Drake has worked with Jackie Chan. Do you know what film? Yeah, uh, I do. Yes. Okay. Do you, Brad? <laughs> Uh, no. Okay. What is it, Sammy? Uh, Battle Creek Brawl or the Big Brawl, right? That's right. From 1980, he's judge number one. So he shows up uh, towards the end of the film when they're fighting. Yep. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Yes. Everybody else we're going to talk about. um, So Larry Drake has had a little bit of um, television fame, a little bit of film fame. I think everybody else really, 
I don't know, came up or, or got notoriety through the small screen. So Holly Marie Combs as Jennifer Campbell, I guess she's in a couple of uh, big series, um, all three of which I've, I've never seen. So we've got Picket Fences, which ran from 92 to 96, Charmed, that ran from 1998 to 2006, and Pretty yeah. Little Liars from 2010 to 2017. Are you guys fans of hers? Uh, I liked her on Picket Fences. I liked that show. But um, I don't I don't think I ever watched the Charm show or anything. She's been in a few films. She was in uh, she worked with Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. I guess so. Yeah. yeah so, but Fourth of July, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I think so she, I think most people been, know her from her TV work, though. Right. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'd say she's one of those actresses who you probably would know through the TV more than anything. I, I can't really think of any other film other than this one, really. And the only reason why I knew the Tom Cruise thing is just because I randomly knew it, but I can't think of any other films she really pops out to me on at all. Okay. Is, yeah. is anybody a Cliff DeYoung fan? I mean, he he plays her father, Tom Campbell. <laughs> He's always reminded me of somebody else. Like, I can't remember who I thought he reminded me of, but He's one of them guys, you know, he, he, he just doesn't really stand out, but he's been in some movies. He's been in some good movies. He has. He's, he's an interesting character actor. I always remember him from, um, was it FX, the yes. uh, thriller film? And then yep. he played uh, Brad Majors in the sequel to the Rocky Horror Picture Show, Shock Treatment. Those are the two films that come to mind when I think of Clifty Young. Yeah, I think of uh, Glory. Glory. I was mm-hmm. going to say Glory. Yeah, he's in that. And, uh, ooh, what's that other one? That he's in, he's got a pretty uh, extensive flashback? filmography. Now he was uh, he was in the the, the craft. He wasn't he in the craft. He was in the he was in the Stephen King Tommy Knockers miniseries. I remember that, um, which isn't very good. Isn't okay. very good. No, it's no, not. It's, it's not, not good at all. <laughs> uh, moving along, we've got Glenn Quinn as Max Anderson again, a face that I remember from television because he was in a couple episodes of the series Angel. Um, from the nineties, late nineties. And then you guys remember Keith diamond, right? As officer Joe Reitz. remember what film he was in, right? We talked about it. The three of us. Did we? Yeah, we Biker did. Boys. Biker boys. Oh, that's right. Yes. Uh, uh yes. That's Try right. Not to cry. Troy. Um, Hey, I'm trying not to, we get, uh, Richard Bradford as officer Hank Magruder, uh, instantly see his face and think of Mike, the cop from the untouchables. And last but not least, just because I love the name, Doug E. Doug as Trotter, um, <laughs> which if again, I, it's funny. You see an actor and you equate him to like one or two films. Each one Senka. of these, I would see a face and I'd be like, oh, well, that was a uh, Senka coffee from Cool Runnings. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. He gets in, Har- a- in Harlan, right? And he and eight legged freaks. Oh, yeah, that's right. He was in that, too. Okay. Yeah, he gets he gets his trotter grabbed in this film. <laughs> yes, that that is true. But I mean, is Larry Drake the draw for this film is is that where they're kind of hanging their hat in terms of notoriety? I mean, he's on the poster. You're you're definitely banking on that LA Law pull. Okay. I think you're I think you're hope holding out hope that he's a star, but I think the main draw here is you're making a slasher film and you're just hoping people will turn out and you get a franchise out of this. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's true. That's true. Well, let's talk about the production. I, I mean, I got a lot of theories about that, but if rewatching this, it totally felt like it was, you know, cardboard cut out. Let's see if we can get a franchise out of this. Okay. Well, that makes total sense, especially when we talk about the the production and development. 
So on August 11th of uh, 1992, Daily Variety reported that Largo Entertainment signed an exclusive first look deal with Dark Horse Comics to develop and produce films based on Dark Horse's franchises. Dr. Giggles was the first film produced as part of this venture. So if you're not a comic book nerd, Dark Horse Comics um, was sort of an American comic book graphic novel, um, and, and they did manga as well. They're a publishing company that was founded in Milwaukee, Oregon by Mike Richardson in 1986. The company was created using funds earned from Richardson's chain of Portland, Oregon comic book shops known as Pegasus Books and founded in 1980. So uh, were you guys Dark Horse comic fans? Oh, yeah. Okay. Were there any Sin Sin City, Hellboy? Okay. Yeah, the aliens versus predator stuff, mm-hmm. uh, the alien stuff, the thing. They comics. Did, yeah, they did Star Wars for a long time. Yeah, they did Star Wars for a while. Um, Indiana Jones. Yeah, Indiana Jones. I liked mm-hmm. a lot of their stuff actually. Yeah, they really kind of put themselves on the map with some, a few independents, and then uh, they would just grab properties. They had to deal with Fox, I believe. They did Predator books too, as well. I think. Yeah, and, and then they did uh, a lot of they did a lot of like you said they did Akira. They did Ghost in the Shell. I do know that. I think they did the Lone Wolf and Cub series, Troy. Yeah. I, I think they did. They they were so to Sammy's point, they would go out and buy the licensing or the properties and bring them over to like American audiences or do continuation of stories. Pro- yeah. Probably the the biggest series that they had an impact on me was when they picked up the the rights for the Alien franchise and did sort of the sequel to Aliens. And that was back in the late eighties. And then being a big Indiana Jones fan, they had actually a, a really good run of Indiana Jones comic series in the 90s. Um, and then, like you said, you know, Sin City 300 was a big deal mm-hmm. for them you, in 98. Do you have their 1990 film projects, Troy? I have these written down. Do you want Do you want them? I, I do. Um, do you want to go ahead and read those? Yeah. So it goes 1992. We have Dr. Giggles. Then we have The Mask, Time Cop, Tank Girl, Barbed Wire. Mystery Men and Virus were all their properties in 1990. Yeah, we talked about Mystery Men. I think Barb Wire's on our list, so is yep. Tank Girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what's interesting is Hellboy, Sin City, and 300 come from them as well. And they were you know, pretty big comic book properties for them at that time. Yeah, so does The Mask. Don't forget about The Mask. It comes from Dark Horse. Yeah, that's right. That was their second film because Dr. Giggles was 92 um, which wasn't, you know, we, we say it bombed theatrically, but let's face it. We're talking about the early nineties. So if it came back making its production budget, I'm sure for the studio, they were like, Hey, that's fantastic. Cause we're going to make a mint, um, oh, yeah. from VHS sales on this With thing, rentals right? and all that stuff. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, a couple other things that I thought were interesting. And dumbass podcasts like 30 years later, talking about it, they'll make their money back there too. That's true. 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 <laughs> Um, Matt Frewer, yes, Matt Frewer of Max Headroom was considered for the role of Dr. Giggles at one point. And I thought this was interesting too. I could, I could see that actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll, we'll discuss whether or not they should have gone with him or kept Larry Drake, but, uh, Jennifer Aniston and Ashley Judd both auditioned for the role of Jennifer. Our, oh, Ashley our Judd. Yeah. Nice. Um, so I, I before we get into the thoughts of the film, you said something that's just, I don't know, just caught. Sammy, you really thought that the studio, and especially probably Dark Horse Comics, because they um, they have this as a comic book property as well, you thought that 
they were really bidding to kind of create a, an early slasher franchise. Yeah, I think uh, some small studios and some of the up and coming studios or even any studio really would love to have a horror franchise. Uh, the great thing about horror franchises, and you just went through this, Troy, with Saw, and I went through it last year, Yeah, is, you know, you can spend less and less money, and you can sometimes make more and more money. So, you know, usually the budgets are cut, and after each substantial sequel comes out, but they tend to keep making money somehow. And uh, mostly it's because people just want to go, and, and if it's slashers, they want to go and see the kills and stuff. Um not to get into my thoughts of the film yet. I'll talk about that in a little bit, but that is definitely the feel I got with this one. It seems like a good idea on paper, uh, to kind of generate a slasher, um, whether or not they succeeded at that or not. Um, uh, I'll talk about in a little bit. Okay. Given that they timed it correctly to release in October, is this just a case that the movie really didn't get much box office, um, legs because of what else was out there it's kind of interesting under siege was the top spot that this came out right you know it's it must have been that because i can remember i was collecting comic books heavy at this point Mm -hmm. and this film was on the back of almost every comic book i mean they really went after their audience and it was everywhere dr giggles was everywhere well i think it got it, it definitely got shown up by a better horror film Candyman. Sure, sure, yeah. it did, but and 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 honestly, rightfully so. Mm-hmm. But I think that you know they really pushed, they really pushed to make this a big deal, and I just don't think it it just didn't work out for whatever reason. And I, I knew everybody knew who Doctor Giggles was. I I guarantee you, people still knows what, uh, that haven't even seen the film. They still know what God Doctor Giggles is. Yeah, I'm, I'm just wondering when I looked back at the horror films that to come out in '92. I think they were smart to go after something that was a combination of horror and comedy. Mm-hmm. But when I look at the films that were more successful that year, I don't think any of them were really slashers. Now you could say Candyman had slasher aspects to it, but it really felt like an urban supernatural story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they kind of, they kind of turned that into a slasher series. It, the first one is not really a slasher really. Yeah. I'm just, I'm thinking about all of the, the, I don't know, bigger budget or more successful horror films mm-hmm. weren't slasher. So I'm wondering if the, one of the reasons why this kind of tanked when it came out or just, just didn't become, um, I, I think the hit that they wanted for an October Halloween season was, you know, you're going into the nineties and people are like, yeah, the slasher thing is so eighties and, We'd we'd rather see a ponytail guy and Tommy Lee Jones go at it than than Larry Drake. No, you're right. I think the 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 writing was on the wall that the slasher film was waning, and they're trying to capitalize. They're like three or four years too late. Okay. But you can see the appeal, right? Because like New Line had Nightmare on Elm Street, um, who like Paramount had uh, Friday the Thirteenth. Um, you know, everyone's got these series and you're like, it just takes one and then it catches on and we can make so much money. Yeah. But yeah, it's the comic book model without the big budgets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's true. what it is. It's interesting though. Scream is 1996. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Oh, that's only four years. Yeah. It completely changes this whole thing. Yeah. That's, that's, in, that's interesting. Now, four years is not a long time. And, uh, yeah, yeah it's you're not. I can remember the slasher waning. I remember that. 
people making fun of them. They were getting pretty crazy and pretty goofy. Jason takes Manhattan. Jason goes to hell and Freddie's dead. And, you know, Brad hasn't gotten there yet. But I mean, they get pretty ludicrous. I mean, but like New Nightmares 94. So we're getting yeah. that meta look at horror films around that time. Of course, it, you know, gets perfected in 96. But I mean, I have a really, I have a theory as to why this thing fell on its face. And I'll, I'll try to throw that out when we get to the review of it. All right. Well, hey, let's not waste any time then with this uh, banter and chit chat. How about we take a quick break and when we come back? Uh, we're going to hear Sammy's theory on why this <laughs> fell right on its face and, and find out uh, if Brad likes it or, or even if I like it. So stay tuned. A cup of whipped hot chocolate tastes great right now. Carnation's Cocoa Supreme, the delicious hot chocolate drink with the light, delicate flavor you like. Wouldn't a good hot cup taste good right now? Ask for a cup of whipped hot chocolate at our snack bar. Can the most cunning, depraved, ruthless killer in all the world's history kill again after he dies? The Hands of the Ripper. Jack the Ripper live again as his fiendish daughter inherits his lust for murder and revenge to kill again. And again. And again. In Hands of the Ripper. Gory terror roams the streets as the Hands of the Ripper leave a baffling trail of blood and a murderous trail of helpless victims behind. When the hands of the Ripper strike, you feel the grip of heart-stopping terror on your throat. It takes nerves of steel to face the hands of the Ripper. Can you? Rated R, under 17, not admitted without parent. back uh sammy everybody's dying to hear this theory so we're gonna kick it over <laughs> yeah. to you the internet the internet is like they can't wait the they, Reddit they board. skipped through the old-timey commercials and whatever trailer <laughs> i chose and like i gotta hear i gotta hear so sammy oh, so here's here, in my opinion of dr giggles really comes down to this i don't i don't know larry drake i think is i think he's okay as the pivotal doctor the titular doctor if you will um technically not a doctor Technically not a doctor, just a kid who's obsessed with medicine. And uh, they rope in some crazy uh, Freudian background story to it. That's I, I don't even know what I don't even know what the theory is there. Their theory is probably more wacky than my theory. <laughs> but the thing with this film, this is how and and I might take some heat for this. I know some of your listeners I already know they like this film. Uh, there's people out there that have come out of the woodwork on this one over the years. And I think like it for its cheesiness. But here's the, here's the problem. This is a movie about kills. And it has no suspense for me whatsoever. Okay. It is, it is, a, it is a used condom of a movie. 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I was not, I was not expecting that to be your box. Did art. You have to like uh, pull out of the toilet. Yeah. 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 yeah well, that, uh, yeah, that, that happens in the movie, yep. um, uh, with a toothbrush. I mean, because, you know, if you're going to pull a condom out of the toilet, the best thing to use is somebody's toothbrush. Well, the, the girl you're going to make out with, why not use her toothbrush to do that? Yeah. 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 Anyway, uh, it just, this is a movie where the ideas were killing people with medical apparatus is interesting and leads to some fun moments. There's some good special effects moments in here. I particularly like the stomach pump pump moment. I think that was pretty nasty and, and gnarly. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other ones I like, <laughs> uh, but it, it's for me, it's just mostly kills. And, you know, I, I don't mind that in slashers. I love the Friday, the 13th films. I love the majority of the Freddy's films. I love the, the Halloween films. I love slashers in general. Um, but this one just doesn't really, it doesn't really feel like a slasher to me. It feels like it wants to be some type of ur- urban legend. Um, the giggles aren't really giggles as much as they're, I don't know what they are. They almost sound like he's clearing his throat more than he's giggling. Like a nervous tick almost. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah, That was a good impression. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Yeah. But I'm not, I don't think the film is bad. I just think the film is, it's, it's just a, it's a lame duck. It's just a. It doesn't deliver on any of the things you really want. I think the gore is okay, but I think it's more implied. And I think this film, if you really want to do horror comedy, and this is just me speaking, and maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like I grew up during the golden era of horror comedy. And one of the keys of horror comedy, in my opinion, is you go over the top. Yes. You push it. In other words, you take the gore and you just go. I, I would always equate this like the best example of horror comedy where you, you take a particular scenario and you go to the extreme is the wood chipper scene from Tucker and Dale versus evil. Yeah, that's, that's a good moment. And Tucker and Dale versus evil is a good example of how you do this kind of stuff in a more modern era. Yeah. You have to go for it. Now that's going to turn some people off and you're going to have some audience members that are going to be like, you know what? I just don't like that. They probably won't like any of that kind of stuff, but I think when you do a slasher, especially something like this, where the the slasher is a quote unquote doctor who laughs uncontrollably, I think you got to go for it. I think you just got to, you got to just put all cards on the table. You got to remove heads. You got to do crazy stuff. I think, you know, I think about this all the time. I think about, and we just talked about this film actually on our show just a little bit, because we were talking about Ronnie, you, and we were talking about Jason versus Freddie. And we, I talked about Bride of Chucky, which is a Ronnie U film. And the reason why I think Bride of Chucky works so well is because Ronnie U takes the Chucky thing and he just takes it over the top. Yeah. And that's why it works. And I think that is, that is a prime example of how you do this kind of thing. Now you're trying to create a franchise here. So you're trying to lay some groundwork, but the story really isn't that interesting. Not to me anyway. Um, you got a kid who is fascinated by what his dad does for a living. He's cutting his uh, stuffed animals. That's all kind of cool and nifty and stuff. His mom dies unexpectedly. He He's really heartbroken about it. It does lead to one really cool moment uh, in, a, in, a, in a coroner's office or 
blab. Right. I'll give it, I'll give it that. But that's what the movie needed more of. It needed more of that. That's one of the most over-the-top moments in the film. Like, it makes no sense logistically. None. None. He would have smothered. He would have died. Well, not necessarily. I'm, it's probably getting air through her nose, right? There's in No, there's no. Certain, Troy, that's not how it works. No, you, you you hide in there with a packet of Swedish fish for like a day or two, you know, when oh, you, you get hungry. You, you put you put a straw with a little bendy part on the top yeah, of it? Yeah, yeah, through her mouth or her nose or something, and you're it's oh, like a circle. snorkel. It's like a snorkel. Yeah. yeah. No, no, that's not how it works. But it doesn't matter that it doesn't work and that the science is wonky as long as you stick to that wonky idea. And I think that if they would have stuck to that kind of uh, gore and that kind of kills and those kind of moments, I think they could have had a little bit of a cult film here. I think this is a cult film anyway, because it's so kind of outlandish and kind of goofy that it's kind of grown an audience and that's fine. I, I don't, I don't shame anybody for that. It's not for me personally. I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think it works as a slasher. I think it's, there's no suspense whatsoever. I mean, Larry Drake is clearly coming every time he's going to be there. You know, he's there or he's doing other things. He even goes to the point of actually leaving a voicemail on the voicemail machine from the house that he's in. I don't even think you could do that in 1992 <laughs> uh, technology wise. again, I'm overthinking this stuff, but I just think there's so much they could have done better here. Now, in saying that some of the stuff I do love here is the fetishistic medical implements. And the very large reflex hammer, which that should have been the weapon of choice through most of the movie, because that is ridiculous looking. It is. And they have, they have a fight with a reflex hammer. I don't know what those things are called. I'm just calling it a reflex hammer. And a, uh, somebody else, it's almost like a sword battle, right? Yeah. It's with a knife or something like that. And that's what the movie needed more of. It needed more of that. It needed more of a little boy coming out of a womb, uh, older because he was sewn up in there. It needed more of that kind of stuff. What you really end up getting is a few good kills with some medical implements. Um, and a lot of really bad teenage drama. Okay. I, I got to say the teenage stuff in this. You did. You weren't sold on her heart having an issue and no, she would have been her dead boyfriend. No, 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 no. This, I mean, this is some woeful teenage stuff. I mean, I it's, mean if if her appointment was that serious and her heart condition was that, would she go to school that day? I think you could skip, you could skip the last day of school to, to go to your appointment to see your heart doctor. Yeah, probably, probably fine. I don't know. Maybe the logic is well, she's already, her mom passed. She's already, did. She's, eh, yeah. she's got one leg in the grave. Yeah, she's halfway in the bag. <laughs> but you know, her mom's passed away. Maybe we just let her go be a kid. She wants to be in school. Let her go be a school. Also, uh, not somebody you didn't mention in the movie, Troy, but I know she's in the movie that me and you both enjoy, I believe, but Michelle Johnson's in this film playing the stepmom, and yep. she's in blaming on Rio. Uh, yes. Yep. Uh, yeah. And she's very nude in blaming on Rio, but Blaming on Rio is underrated comedy. It's a lot of fun. It, yeah. mm, Sammy, do not come on this podcast and recommend people watch Blaming on Rio, please. <laughs> please. I I, I want to go back to a comment you made about um, lack of suspense. So when you talk about suspense in a slasher film, what are you kind of referencing? Is it is it the lead up to the kill where yeah. you know you're waiting yeah. for him to jump out, or is, or is it yeah. you know the yeah, you know, you know that the the slasher avatar is going to come after these people. Yeah, but in this one, it's almost like you they take the the jump scare out of it and just 
put Larry Drake in the spot and you know, he's there and there's no suspense. The, the, at one point, the father comes home. We already know Larry Drake's in the house. The only suspense there is how did he get that message on that voice machine? And you know, it, it's just, there's just nothing. I mean, maybe we could go back and we could probably pick it apart, you know, and take it to like a toothpick to that POV shot in here, which is actually pretty cool. That POV shot in the mouth. That's yeah. pretty, it's a pretty cool moment. Um, but you could say that, you know, Friday 13th doesn't have that much suspense that Michael Myers and the Halloween films don't have that much suspense. I, I mean, that I, first, the first Halloween film is like all suspense. Yeah. And, and I would say that the first two Friday, the 13th are all suspense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I, I guess that why that word struck out to me is like, um, I think the the go-to reaction when you say, hey, there's no suspense in a slasher film is, well, where's the slasher? Like, that's the suspense of it. Uh, but I'm trying to think of the major slasher films and going, well, there's su- some suspense in there, but it's not necessarily where, um, you know, Michael Myers or Jason is or something of that nature. Sometimes, I, I don't know. There, I, I'm, I'm trying to articulate this. There's, a, there's like, another level this- of suspense. In this film, does anyone ever like open up a door and you anticipate Dr. Giggles being there and he's not there? No, yeah, you but- have that moment and then then he comes somewhere else. Like there's none of that like trickery or anything like that in this. No, as a matter of fact, most of the time in this film, which I think is another mistake, is you're with Dr. Giggles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dr. Giggles isn't this kind of magnanimous or kind of an autonomous killer. Yeah, he should not be the main character. You're with Dr. Giggles. He's the most interesting thing about this movie. And because of that, I don't think he's scary in any way, shape, or form. Now, look, I'm a jaded film watcher. I've watched a ton of movies. I know that. Most slashers, let's be honest, they're not really quote-unquote scary, right? I mean, there's some jump scares and stuff, but they're not. For the most part, I don't go to bed at night thinking, oh, Michael Myers is going to get me. You know, I just don't think of that. I never really kind of thought of them that way. They're more about the kills, the special effects, the story, the kind of urban legend behind them. But you never really, you're never really with Jason all the time. You're never really with Michael Myers all the time. Even in the reboots, you're not even with Michael Myers all the time. You kind of are in that first reboot. Yeah, but I, I, I'm thinking about because I'm I'm reading the the book Jose got all of us, which is the the novel of Halloween Ends because it's supposed to be better in the film, right? I mean, it would have to be. Yeah, but you know, it can be what, worse. <laughs> true. Give give David Gordon Green all of the um, kudos for trying to create suspense outside of just where is Michael Myers. There's yeah. suspense in terms of how is the town reacting to that, et cetera. So, I don't I don't know if suspense what's, has what's to be Corey up to. Yeah, what's what's Corey doing? Well, um, again, I don't even really feel like the kids ever even really talk about the Doctor Giggles character. There's one sequence, one slasher trope where the kids show up at the old house. Yeah. He has a nursery rhyme or a nursery rhyme like type thing. And that's as close as this movie to me ever comes to being a slasher film or a horror film. After that, nobody really kind of talks about it. It's just kind of like he's around. The cops kind of talk about it, but they kind of don't talk about it. It's very strange. And really to me, Again, I just think the problem is they, they there's no mystery to Dr. Giggles. It's all laid out on the table, no pun intended, but it's all <laughs> there. And he's just not that interesting. Yeah, even as a psychopath, he's just not that interesting. Okay. And he's not funny either. I, I just I'm just gonna say for the record, 
you know, as a master pun man myself, these puns are, they're pretty brutal. So no fun. This shows up on a lot of, uh, lists for like bad, scary movies that are unintentionally funny, but it's my understanding. This was intentionally supposed to be a comedy as much as it was supposed to be a horror film. So you're saying it does, it just doesn't work on, it's so bad. It's funny or it even intentionally funny from a dad joke, serial killer kind of thing. It doesn't work either. This feels like the kind of movie that like when they're making it, like they're having a good time on set and they're laughing without any thought to the fact that nobody's going to laugh at this stuff. I, I don't know how to explain it. It's kind of like uh, when two people share the same sense of humor and there's 50 people in the room, those two people end up kind of just going off by themselves because they can't, nobody else can stand being around them because they're just not funny to anybody else. That's what this movie's like. It's like that. Never had that problem before. Yeah. Well, well. It's like the high school kids who quote Monty Python 24 seven and everybody's like, yeah. yeah, go do your own thing. Right. But the, but it's <laughs> they, the, I mean, did you, did either one of you, honestly, did either one of you outside of a smirk laugh at anything Dr. Giggles did? Uh, no, no. Mm -mm. And so this is a horror comedy and he has to be both extreme and funny. And he's neither one. He's not offensive. He's not, I mean, outside of killing kids, he's not offensive. He's not funny. He is scary looking good, but Larry Drake's kind of scary looking guy, but it's just, it's just goofy. And I think it's unintentionally funny because it's, it's just a big swing and a miss. Okay. Well, Brad, where, where did you land on this? Well, I was going to come in here and, and sort of analyze how anti-slasher this is by talking about how we spend way too much time with Dr. Giggles, but someone gets it on our podcast and stole my whole shtick. So, <laughs> but no, I, I agree with Sammy. Like the, the problem here is we know too much about Dr. Giggles. So there's no mystery about who he is, what his motivations are, who he's after, like all this stuff. It's so put out in front of us that there is no mystery. Like he is in this house. Like, don't go in that house. You'll be fine. Don't go in the house. You're, you're you'll be totally fine. Um, I, I I just found it to be baffling how you could use the '80s slasher as your as your reference point and completely miss on every piece that makes those films good. Um, and I know we're going a little bit more with the comedy here, um, but I have to tell you that during the third act of this film, when the one-liners begin to be coming off flim flamming all around, it gets pretty eye-rolly. There is every two seconds he is making a doctor pun. And I was like, I don't, honestly, I was like, you know what? I think I'm done with this, but I cannot put up <laughs> with these dumb jokes. I, I was, I love suffering. those dumb jokes. I mean, I do too, to a certain point, but yeah. like for every two seconds, it's like, you know, is there a doctor in the house? Blah, blah, blah. You know, take two in the morning, like all this stuff. I'm like, I want to take two in the morning and go to bed. Cause I hate this movie. I just found it so unfunny. So not scary. Now there are some pretty cool, shots and there's some pretty cool deaths that i wish they would let linger a little bit more but i'm guessing this was probably like a 
like a MPA cut job. Like they had to cut out some stuff. They, to, they to, did. I mean, I yeah. think they had a problem in, in terms of submitting things to the rating boards to get it toned down. And yeah. And I, I want to even say like, uh, there's, there's a couple of international cuts out there that even have less, uh, oh, gore okay. elements to it. So I, I mean, I just, I never like Jennifer kind of sucks as a character. So we should like the movie should be Jennifer's movie. And it yeah. should be her and, you know, just think of like Jamie Lee Curtis in, in Halloween. Like I hate to uh, like keep bringing up these films that are like classic slasher films, but that's the lane this film chose to swim in. Yeah. And so like it, it just when you compare it to what those are doing and again, you're using that as its reference, it just misses on all the marks like we shouldn't be with this guy, the whole movie, like he should not be in 85% of the scenes. He should be in 15, but 10 do, you, to 15. do you want to spend? So you make a really good point. Like, um, I think we would all agree what makes a, a really good, um, slasher film is you, you've got to have a very interesting killer, right? And, um, final girl, final guy has to, I don't want to say unique, but memorable and, and be a good actor or actress because in most of these films, you're following that person and their friends, right? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you gotta, you gotta have the mystery. You gotta have, by the time you get to the end of the film, you gotta want to see those two characters go against each other. Yes. So I, I would assume we would all be saying that we, we have a miss, not just to maybe Larry Drake as Dr. Giggles, but probably even a bigger miss is the fact that um, Holly Marie Combs just sort of sucks the life out of every scene. She's yeah, our, in. our final gore, our final girl sucks too. Yeah. Her, so I, and her, and her boyfriend um, is, is not uh, fantastic either. I mean, you're, you're left I, with Glenn Quinn and Holly Marie Combs and, and it's like, you know, a wet blanket. Yeah. Are any of these kids in this film outside of Dougie Doug's name or any of these kids in this film memorable in any way to you? There, no, and if you have Dougie Doug in your film and you kill him, if he's the first kind of character killed in your movie, besides like the people in the insane asylum, come on now. But anyway, like I wanted to see Dougie Doug, but they kill him off too early. Well, there, there are, <laughs> there, there are kids memorable in this film, but probably not for the right reason. Well, yeah. So yeah, yeah, the 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 what the fuck moment that stands out for me is uh, when the guy shows up to his girlfriend's house with his mom's lingerie and says, Hey, I want you to wear my mom's lingerie that I snuck out of the house. That's a weird fetish. It is. And then she's like, go put this. Hey, Sandy, what tab is that on Pornhub? Do you have that? tab? (laughs) Uh, I don't have that tab up anymore. I moved on past that. Yeah. So you get that scene and you're like, what is going on? Only to lead to the scene where she's like, well, go put this condom on right now. And so he goes to the bathroom, drops the condom, and then you get uh, a five-minute joke of him taking her toothbrush and trying to fish it out. That sequence, I'm like, what is going on here? It just, it, I, I don't, I don't even know what to think. The tone's all off, and not only that, I mean, we're putting the condom on before, like we get going, like we're pre-condoming. That seems like that. I don't even know what upsets me more is stealing your mom's lingerie and making your girlfriend, or, or trying to fish the toothbrush um, condom thing. It, they're both yes. disturbing. I guess it depends on your fetish. <laughs> True. But the, <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't know. I, that whole sequence, I, that is a kind of a microcosm of everything that's wrong with this movie. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Uh, 
and I say that because that's pretty gonzo. The idea of stealing your mom's lingerie and asking a girl to wear it. That's a pretty gonzo wacky idea. I can get behind that because at least maybe it could lead to some pretty good comedy and some pretty wacky ideas. And then immediately throw a cold fish on top of it, of a guy fishing a condom out of a toilet for what feels like forever. It probably really is only maybe 20 seconds of screen time, but it felt like five minutes. Well, no. And, the, and then the big joke is when he finally gets it out, it's leaking. And so he's like, ah, well, maybe she won't notice. It's like, wh- what, what is going on? <laughs> it's not even funny. It's not. That, it's, it's, not it's, 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 it's for lack of a better word, it's limp. Oh, yeah. Aha. I see what you did there. See, that was funny. Kind of, kind of soggy, if you will. Yeah, and that was funny. That yeah. was funny. Yeah. Yeah. It just I don't know. It's it's a mic. There's so many moments in this film where I I mean, I very rarely do this. And and, and I didn't hate the movie. I don't want I want to make sure I'm clear about that. I think it's an interesting kind of curio piece from the early nineties. But it, it's it's just a it's an average dud. It's just a dud. I think there's too many WTF moments to not really hate this. Like you talked about that part where the kid comes out of the mom is uh, something that you literally have to see with your own eyes. Cause it yeah. is baffling. Yeah. Like it is a uh, choice on our show. A lot of your listeners probably listen to our show or vice versa, but if you don't, there's a see, there's a something we call a make or break scene. And regardless of what my thoughts are on this film, that moment is the best scene in the movie to me because oh, bar none. it's the moment where they actually, make contact with the baseball. That's the moment they don't swing and miss. That's the moment where it's like, okay, I see what you're doing here. This could be fun, but it never lives up to that. It Are you sure it wasn't the uh, PlayStation one heart that we get at the very beginning of this movie showing the blood. <laughs> yeah. I saw that too. Yes. Uh, I, I'd agree. It's I even got, it's even got a bad video game joke. It does. The Dr. Mario the thing. Oh, Dr. Yeah. The Dr. He, he looks at the kid who's playing a video game and I hate, I'm sorry. It's a personal thing. Brad probably feels offended too. I hate when they think that people that play video games are brain dead TV, but whatever the hell we are. Look, I'm, we're not stupid. Okay. We play games because we like games. Bastards. <laughs> Get off <laughs> my lawn. <laughs> I feel attacked. So I, there were three, you guys have mentioned it. There were, there were three scenes that I do think stick out. Um, you've mentioned two from my list, which is the kid cutting his dead oh, mom gotta, from the inside to yeah. escape. I got to know what your third is. If I mentioned two, I got to know what your third is because I can't think of a third. Well, uh, so the second one you've already talked about, which is the prosthetic that they put on the end of the camera oh, lens. Okay. So it looks like you're looking at the mouth while oh, he's, yeah. uh, I, I thought that was, man, that's, it's very Looney Tunes almost. And, uh, very kind of Tim Burton. Yeah. Like, and, and yeah. it, Dark uh, Looney Tunes, Tim Burtonish, very, right? Very. Uh, have you guys ever seen uh, From Dust Till Dawn Two? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you know Scott Spiegel, he loves point of view shots like that. Yeah. Like he put a camera on a a fan. He'll no, put I do know that to have in Pornhub. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he'll, he'll, he'll put a uh, he'll put a camera on anything and give you a point of view, and it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's really interesting. And and the other so. This movie does this to me every time I watch it. it. It gives me this really false sense of hope, not from the PS1 Commodore VIC-20 uh, graphics that open it up with the inside of the artery or whatever, but I really do like how they open the movie with Dr. Giggles um, operating on what appears to be his doctor in this operating room with the chest out, and he's he's giving this dissertation 
And he basically is doing that in front of all of the the psychotics and the crazy people watching. Uh-huh. And that first five minutes, you're like, okay, I'm in. This is going to be somewhat of a crazy film. So I, I think that sequence and him escaping, I'm like, okay, great setup. Let's see where we go. And the minute that it transitions to these high schoolers, uh, it just, it, it like dies. It simply loses its pulse. And then you get uh, a defibrillator. Like, good joke, good joke there. Charlie. Yeah, and and you feel like the defibrillator comes along in a couple of spots with the mouth point of view, and then also the kid coming out of the corpse. But even after that kid coming out of the corpse, it's like nope, it's it's DOA um, because of the rest of the film is so sluggish and boring, yeah. and and it's lacking. I think you guys have said it. It's lacking this energy. Um, and sort of kinetic feel. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know if it's because you follow Dr. Giggles. I don't know if it's because the kills aren't interesting. I just, I just don't think this, this feels like a workman like film and it, and it feels like everybody is just trying to get through it. It's almost like everybody took cold medicine and went to work every day because it, it just, it has that energy to it. It's very sluggish. I have to admit, with something I haven't done in a long time. Like there was like, like would be like minutes to go by. And I'm like, Oh, I haven't been paying attention at all. I was just oh, absolutely. Like, looking on. I was, I was like, well, I have to rewind because I looked away and like found something that was on the wall and stared at it for four minutes. I was like, Oh, I haven't been watching the movie. Here's the thing. You went back and rewound it and you watched it and you didn't miss anything. I didn't miss anything. Yeah. Because that that's the kind of movie this is. It's just very empty. And again, I agree with you, Troy. I think, actually so this is a good example and and again i don't make films i've never made a film i'm just a guy who talks about films but that opening is cool so maintain that mystery and i think you got a better slasher film but they don't they cut to the the wet noodles that are the kids the wet ramen noodles that are these kids and then they go back to dr giggles and they show you his home and him going around his home and him remembering his stuff and it's like this drama thing again I don't think if I think if you stay away from Dr. Giggles, the majority of the film and have him pop up through the kills, I think you at least got a somewhat suspenseful and interesting slasher here, but they never do that. They just, they just stay with him all the time. Maybe I don't. So if you do that with this cast, I'm even more bored. Well, there is that argument too. And I can't, I can't fault that argument. I didn't even think about that side of the argument, which is, you know, none of these kids are interesting. I mean, if, if you're sitting in, if you're looking at the dailies, let's say, you know, the Manny is sending all this stuff, stuff over to you, you're the editor putting this together and you're looking at the footage with the high schoolers and you're looking at the footage with Dr. Giggles and the backstory. I totally understand why they would follow Larry Drake and Dr. Giggles, because that is of what's on screen. Those are the most interesting scenes. It's not with the high school kids. There is no tension. There's no thrills. There's nothing in those scenes. Um, because I don't think the suspense just has to come from, well, where is the the boogeyman going to jump out? The the suspense or anything else can come from like the relationships or their environment that's being affected by what's going on, right? And even having characters turn on each other, stuff like that. Yeah. But none none of that's present. So, but if you're if you're just left with this footage and you have to put it together, you're like, well. I mean, this is a slug, so I guess we'll put more Dr. Giggle stuff in there and then just see where it goes. Is the body count too high in this film? 
too high i don't know well, so I mean, so just think about like should we spend most of the first act at least getting to know some of the kids because we're in that house with like dougie doug and his girlfriend literally know nothing about those people and they're killed immediately and you're like I, am i supposed to like have any sort of like caring like just think about like friday the third like you get the the kids coming to camp crystal lake and you kind of get to know them a little bit and they have a little bit of personality now we're not spending ample amounts of time with them but we're getting to know them a little bit and then you start killing them off one by one and you like oh that person's gone that person's gone that like you start doing the math in your head like okay there's only two people left and one of those is the final girl so this other girl is going to get it like in, in our minds that's how these things work we have to start off and knowing who our combatants are. So if we have 10 kids at the beginning, we know probably nine of these people are going to die. And then at the end, we'll have the showdown. That's kind of how the math works in these films. It's not hard. It, it is. I, I, man, I could sit here and nitpick this thing to death. Like, I don't think there's much of a battle between the final girl and Dr. Giggles. There yeah. is a battle between our um, police officer and Dr. Giggles that happens in the basement. He ends up dying. But I, I don't know. So outside of um, the kid coming up through his dead mom, because that's how he was hidden, right? And escaped the whole massacre. Do you really need any of Dr. Giggle's backstory? Should that actually have been told as some kind of mythology or lore by the kids who knew about Dr. Giggle? That could have all been tackled in the cop locker room scene. Something. Yeah. Any, yeah, there anything. should have been like this, like this, like Sammy said, like an urban legend of Dr. Giggles. Yeah. I mean, the best slashers, even the worst slashers. Okay. Even the worst slashers. I saw our good friend, Justin recently watched one that's kind of got mixed. I'm a fan of it. I don't know how you guys feel of it, but uh, it's, it's hell night. It's not the greatest slasher, but it builds the mystery of the actual creature person slasher. That's the Linda Blair one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I actually kind of dig that one. Yeah, but it builds the mystery of the slasher. Yeah. Jason, how do you build the Jason character? Well, first of all, Jason's not even you know spoiler alert, but Jason's not even the killer in the first one. Mm -hmm. So you can look back on that with twenty twenty vision and say, well, Friday Thirteenth is genius because it's building Jason and he's not even in the first one. Right. But that's because they didn't know what they had on their hands yet. But even then, you're building mythos of the Jason character without even the intention of making a sequel yet by having the mom tell the story instead of showing the story over and over and over again, Halloween, same way. Yeah. We open with a young Michael Myers doing the business, but then it becomes Loomis telling everybody about Michael Myers and the kids in the neighborhood now exaggerating and changing the story. And you know, the story develops and Michael Myers becomes this boogeyman. That's how you do slashers. That that's my opinion on how you do slashers. Now you can let's let's be clear here. You can just do the the dumb slasher. You can just do the the Mother's Days or the April's Fool's Days or whatever. You can do that kind of stuff. But you still gotta have your slasher character. If that character's uninteresting and dull, and you already know everything about that character, like within the first twenty minutes of a movie. I, th I think I think you miss the idea of what a slasher is all about. I agree. I I really get the, so I know we've all seen this this idea of Hollywood instead of going back and doing reboots or remakes of good films, take that same approach but do it to films that didn't work. 
to me, Dr. Giggles would be a prime candidate for it. And, and you could go a couple of different ways for this. So, you know, just, just hear my pitch on it. If, if you actually kind of go, well, I want to do, and you could go two different ways. If you want to go to the horror comedy route, there's tons here. You just need more scenes like um, the point of view through the mouth, um, the axe-sized um, rubber mallet um, thingy, right? You, you need to really lean into that type of um, Tucker and Dale type horror comedy. And I think you would have a really fun film from that perspective. You could also go the route and kind of say, okay, could Dr. Giggles be a commentary on the medical industry? You know, sure. There's a doctor patient relationship to make fun of. There's um, you know, medical obsession, um, healthcare costs, mental health, all this other stuff where you could create characters and then almost stereotype them to a certain degree. And then have this like psychotic physician go in and treat each one to the extreme. And it becomes just, you know, something that, um, almost feels like an American psycho, but really dark black comedy, but that's also saying something like, I almost feel like this film would like to live in both worlds, but it doesn't do either of those very well at all. If that makes sense. Yeah. I had to look it up. It's either a reflex hammer or a percussion hammer. Oh, okay. I had to know if we were just crazy. A reflex hammer heard, or percussion hammer? I've never heard it called anything, so I just oh, percussion hammer like a like a xylophone hammer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, I mean, I, I didn't know what it was called. I had to find out. No, I. You're right, Troy. I think you are right. Like, I think this is ripe for a remake. You could either, like you said, do the horror comedy thing and actually make it funny, or you could do 2023. Hey, here's our our scathing indictment on American healthcare system and cost of insulin, blah blah blah. But yeah. they don't do that because it doesn't have an attached audience to it. So yeah, yeah, you could do that. You can even rope in the coronavirus at this time, at this point. But I, I think the key would be if you're going to have a slasher character who laughs and giggles, I think you got to go all for it. And I I think of examples like Black Christmas where you got a Donald Duck like phone character and even New York Ripper, the Fulci film where you have a Donald Duck like character, <laughs> you know, these are absolutely ridiculous ideas, but why not go for it? Why not go for it at that point? I mean, you're already making a horror film. Why not go for it? Why not just say all bets are off? Let's go nuts. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this, this really is missing that energy, but I also, I, I also think it's missing some vision. Like I, I feel like Manny Cotto didn't know exactly what he was going to commit to, or he just wasn't the right director for this. I, I, I don't, I don't think it's a very well-made film either. Yeah. I, I don't right. think, I, I mean, I think the music is kind of awful. Um, the editing's not great. No. Uh, it's not, it, it doesn't look amazing. The, the, the camera work is it's fair, but it's, there, there's a couple shots I liked, but really, to be honest with you, I don't think the film looks great. No, it's true. I, I it, this, but again, I always sort of get uh, upset because I, I really kind of like where this thing starts. I like a few of these scenes, but man, the um, even the fake ending where you think he's dead and then he comes back and then you get the whole well, let me pour some water and then use the uh, defibrillator on there to electrocute him. I mean, at, at some point, it's just like man, it 
just please end right now. Um, I, you, it's not a long film, but it feels like it's overly long. I, the third, I, I was so over this movie in the third act. I was like, this thing has to end. You have to end this now. Yeah. It's sluggish. It's really sluggish. This is one of the few films I can think of where you think it ends. A character comes back and you are actually upset. Yeah. I was upset over that last, uh, like, it's like go away. It was. You're like, oh, he's got to burn. But here's the other thing. Um, the other thing that upset me was when he walks into that operating room and he starts taking all these crazy medical instruments out yeah, and laying on like, the table. Um, I'm like, where was all of this in the last 80, 90 minutes? Like, you should have been doing this stuff um, from the get go. And and it would have maybe been a little bit more entertaining but it, it's so very much like too little too late. And it, it almost, it, it, it feels insulting. It's like, you know what? We could have done all this, but we're not going to. And uh, now he dies. Yeah. It has this weird little plot element too, that, you know, his mom died of a heart issue. So he's, he's tied to the Holly Marie Combs character because she has a heart issue. So he kind of wraps himself. Which, if you don't pay attention, you don't understand that connection between the two. It doesn't even matter if you understand it though, because (laughs) it really is just, it's, it's a lame idea. I mean, just have the guy walking around, sneaking around or going to make house calls and just have him killing people. Yeah. I mean, that's what I signed up for when I watch a slasher. I watch, you know, I'm not expecting, you know, citizen Kane. But I am expecting, at the very least, you know, Friday the 13th part six or something. <laughs> so is this a film? Did you guys watch it with anybody or did you watch it on your own? I watch it on my own, but I got to be honest with you. I don't think I'd like my son's really getting into horror films. Like I, I would tell him to steer clear of this. Okay. Did, did I was going to watch it with my wife, but I remember this one being a little bit not great. So I was like, maybe, maybe you just let me do this one by myself. Yeah. yeah. And of the- course, you know, I have to pitch it to my wife. It's, Oh, it's called Dr. Giggles. She's like, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah. That's, so, so therein lies another problem. I think I honestly, I think, uh, as, as kind of interesting as the name can be, I think it just kind of, I, I think the name is just bad too. I mean, it's, it's just me, but I mean, a lot of people seem to like the name, but I just think it's kind of, kind of goofy. Well, I, I think it's funny. So I I talked about the Manitou and uh, Tabitha watched that with, with a group of other people, had a total blast. And I'm yeah, thinking, that's, well, how, that's how you do bonkers. Yeah. And, I, and I'm thinking, OK, we're going to watch Dr. Giggles. Maybe she and I will have fun just cutting this up. But she fell asleep in the first 15 minutes. And I, like Brad, had a couple of long blinks and had to go back and be like, OK, what did I miss during that long blink? Um, and it was really hard to get through. And she yeah. just gave up on it at some point. And I, I didn't know if you thought, like, get the right people in the right room. And would this play to a better audience with like minds? But I don't I don't think it would. I don't think this is a crowd movie. Also, let me say for the record, I am jealous of people who can just tune out. I wish I could just tune out. Now, the movie behind the scenes, the movie I'm watching for the next Breaking Bread, I'm tuning out <laughs> off and on. <laughs> I've hit play about 16 different times. I watch about five minutes and I'm like, I, I, I'm done. Yeah. There's, there's only one scene. Like I, I had no problem watching it up until that third act. And, um, I like blinked and then 
uh, I know it was a long blink. Next thing I know, I'm like, well, what happened to the deputy? I had to go back and make sure that, you know, Dr. Google's actually killed him because yeah. I, I, I just missed that, like, I don't know, 30 seconds. Um, but yeah, it, I'm it just, felt like I'm just, jealous. I'm just jealous of anybody that can, first of all, fall asleep during the film. Not that I can't do that. I can, but, but I'm, I'm just also jealous of anybody. I mean, once I start one, I got to know how it ends. It's yeah. just the, my personality. I so think, I think my wife's superpower is she can fall asleep during anything. Doesn't yeah. matter. That is a superpower. Uh, it is. Um, final thoughts, uh, Sammy. I'm just. I'm just going to go ahead and ask you: Is is Doctor Giggles a bomb? It is, and rightfully so. Uh, I just think this thing's a miss all the way around. I think it's. Uh, there's a germ of an idea here. Unfortunately, the film is a disease. Oh, <laughs> oh. I like that. <laughs> I, I just. I want you to do. Um, you know how they do, like the critics. Uh, you know, little blurbs on the box art cover of stuff. I yeah, we need yeah, you yeah. to do some of those. Okay, Brad, yeah. over to you. Is mine, uh, mine would actually say, I'd I'd rather look at Brad's Pornhub than <laughs> <laughs> watch Doctor Giggle. Well, who wouldn't? Yes. Um, all right, Brad. Is Doctor Giggles a bomb? It is a bomb. I I just think it misses pretty much the whole point of a slasher film. It does have its moments, and I think those moments do stand out. But in the sea of of boring doctor puns, uh, they do not m- move this up to anything other than a bomb for me. Okay, I, I agree with you both. It's it's pretty boring, sluggish film. A couple of memorable things in it, uh, and and I this this needs to be remade i mean if you if you're talking about horror films that are dying for a good remake i think this one could be done with the right people hey bloomhouse spend 400 million dollars on the dr giggles just uh, don't don't give it to david gordon green i don't want to see that film um but uh yeah uh, <laughs> that's pretty funny actually <laughs> <laughs> give uh, it to luke besson give it to luke besson there you go <laughs> at least you'll get more pov through the mouth shots or something yeah yeah, probably through the pubic bone. <laughs> True. Well, <laughs> if David Gordon Green did it, he'd call it Dr. Giggles, but then you'd be following around like the intern. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it'd be Dr. Giggles, but you'd be finding out he's creating the coronavirus and that the president is off his meds and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and the intern's killing everybody. <laughs> um, okay, we got we got a little bit of listener feedback. You want, me, you want me to go through that real quick, Brad? Please do. Okay, this one's from Michael. He wanted to put his vote in for the best decade of horror. So here we go. As I look back to the horror films I've watched since I was a child, the ones I go back to the most are from the 1970s. The Legend of Hell House, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, Count Yorga, Blackula, The Wicker Man, Horror Express, Dawn of the Dead, Living Dead at the Manchester Morgue, Suspiria, there you go, Brad, Salem's Lot, Theater of Blood, I Could Go On. There's a great mixture of films there, unlike the 80s, which I feel was dominated by the slasher genre to varying degrees of success. However, my favorite horror film is from the 80s, John Carpenter's The Thing, which to this day I don't think has ever been bettered. Take care, Michael. There you go. That's that's a compelling argument for a decade of horror. No, I think, I mean, 70s, 80s, 90s, I, I, you know, all the decades have something to give. Yeah, I, I can't fault anybody who votes for a particular decade. Um, well, maybe maybe there's a the later decades. I don't know, but 60s, I don't know, 70s. Like if you're a big A24 person, the last 10 years of horror have been really good to you. Yeah, that's true. All right. You know, I, I would say 
Horror is definitely a genre that comes and goes. Uh, it's never going to go away completely. So it's too cheap to make and makes way too much money. Yeah, it's it's a, they're they're a safe bet most of the time. Um, I'd I'd say that you could argue. I guess anybody that and they also are quite important to you developing into an adult. Right, like you feel like you're getting away with something if you see these films. So, like you know, my son is going through that phase. And him and his friends are talking about, you know, modern horror films and stuff like that. And then I'll say something about an old film and you can tell it's like, <laughs> and some of them, you know, but you know, that that's the kind of the way it goes. Now, obviously, oh, you know, I grew up and I was born in the seventies and I've grown up from the seventies on, but I can think of strong horror films in every decade. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's, it's, I could probably, you, you could probably get 10 strong horror films out of every decade. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I mean, it's it's obviously outside of the the genre of kicking people in the face. It's it's my next favorite genre. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so, I love it. One other piece, and it's from Alex. He says, "I just listened to the Stone Cold episode, and was Troy saying Sammy was on that one? Yep, Sammy was on that one. He's he's asking, was Troy saying kimono dragons like smog in a thigh length silky robe? That was his question. Um. Mm. I don't know, Alex. What if I was? What's what's wrong if a dragon likes a kimono? And nothing. 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 Yeah. So nothing. I think Alex has got a problem, and you know he's going to get canceled if he's not careful. <laughs> we call Troy's uh, penis the kimono dragon. <laughs> we do. We do. Um, oh, yikes! Komodo dragon. If if that's what I didn't say, then I'm I'm correcting myself now. Komodo dragon. But I kind of like the idea of a kimono dragon. So. Mm. More like the toilet dragon. The toilet dragon. Uh, Brad, what's what's next? We got one more movie, Man, and sadly, Spooktober's over. Spooktober comes to an end next week. We are doing 1998's uh, Fright Night Part 2. 98? 1988. Oh, okay. All right. Sorry. I might have said 98. 1988. Uh, that's a Tommy Lee Wallace film. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, it's it's kind of hard to come by because I don't think there's been an official release of it yet, right? Always helps download numbers. Uh, yeah, but it's a good excuse for me to go back and watch the original Fright Night, and I might watch that remake, too. Uh, I might have to visit. Now, there was a Fright Night Part 2 that was based off the remake, right? New Blood, yeah. New Blood. But we're not talking about that one. We're talking about the the sequel to the original, Yeah, which I, I agree with you. It gives me an excuse to break out that 4K because... Uh, I'll say it now, Fright Night is one of my favorite horror movies from the 80s. Absolutely adore that film. Yeah, it's, uh, it is really hard to find. There's no streaming services that have it, or at least none that uh, have it to watch. So just did a double check on that. And yes, Brad, you're right. As a fellow podcaster that looks at download numbers and streaming numbers, uh, whenever you do a film that's hard to find, really helps those listening numbers. Let me tell you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be. Now, you can get it. I'm sure yeah. if you do a yeah. little research, you can actually find Blu-ray copies of it circulating out there. It's it's probably on YouTube, to be honest. Probably. I didn't look there, but it's probably on YouTube. And yeah. Most things that are next to impossible to find are. Uh, it'll be interesting. I, I don't know why, because we haven't really done any research, but we'll do a little research and find out why it's so hard. A lot of times with movies um, that don't get released, it might be music rights or something of that nature. So we'll we'll do a little digging. Uh, Sammy, I just watched Mausoleum because you guys talked about it. I I feel like <laughs> I'm watching all the movies that you guys are talking about. But what do you got? Oh, you what do you got huh? going on you, over there? Did you enjoy Mausoleum? I did. I hadn't seen it since like the cable days, 
And nice. um, it was another one of those that as I'm sitting down watching, I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I forgot how just crazy this movie is. It's <laughs> like, here's, it's here's a pair of boobs and then a, a rubber monster and then yeah. some gore and <laughs> rinse repeat. Got teeth. Friday Night 2 is on YouTube in full. Oh, okay. There you go, folks. There you go. So if you want to watch it. Um, yeah, we did uh, this recently. We did uh, Vampire from 1932. One of my favorites. Yes. Yeah. McCarthy Theodore Dreyer film. We just uh, released that as we're recording this earlier today. And then not a silent film, Sammy, not a silent film. Yeah. I had to go back and actually edit out my comments that it was a silent film because I was too embarrassed, but uh, I did think it was a silent film. And uh, then uh, next week we're doing Dario Argento's Inferno. Oh, I am so excited for that. <laughs> oh, I can't that was wait. An, that was an interesting conversation. I'll say that. Yes. It's going to be awesome. Okay. And and Brad, you're gonna have to go back and watch it. We we actually talked about Inferno. We did a long time ago. Long time ago, and you hated it, and you were wrong. I then. did hate it. Yes, you yes, were, I did. You were very Speaking wrong. Speaking of hate, Troy, <laughs> this week we will also be recording the tenth experiment of Breaking Brad. If you missed it, that is going to be Skinnerink, and we have all struggled <laughs> to get through this film. I saw it in the theater. And uh, I've been putting off watching it again. I'm going to have to do that before the show. And I mean, I'm dreading it. I am dreading it. If it's worth if If what? If I, I told you guys, not the- I told you guys, you had an out and you're like, no, we got to finish it. We start with it. But you had an out. You had an out. Love you on Leash is going to be better than this movie. And yeah, you, you, went, uh, you went low on this one, though. You lowballed us. Oh, I'm not done. Like there, there could be worse. Mo- there's two more chances for them to be even worse. I can't than imagine that there's two worse films. As long I, as it has a narrative, it'll be better than this. <laughs> maybe, maybe they do. Maybe they don't. Now, I'm not going to say anything about skin Marink. I just know that I probably don't feel as strongly as Troy did or as Jose and, and Justin did, but I have opinions and they are not kind. I am going to do my best uh, to try since I've seen the film. Doctor Giggles is better. Yeah, that's true. I'm gonna I'm gonna try and watch the film with audio commentary, so we'll see how that goes. So you're lucky that way. I thought about that. I even went to to Apple. I went to iTunes to see if I had the commentary on. I don't know if it does. You had to get the I, Blu-ray. I think. Then I thought it. maybe I'd have to buy it, and yeah. I really don't want it. Yeah, I do. I I wanted to own it so I could put it in the house and put a warning on there. Well, my family saw it. Like I, I still get crap over uh, taking everybody to see that one. So I'm not going to live that one down. Yeah, you're never going to live that one down. I'd I imagine that was wow. Yeah, I bet, was, I bet that was a quiet car ride. No, and Cameron took one of his friends. Well, you know, we'll get to that. We're yeah, yeah. Save, save the good stuff. We'll save the good stuff for that episode. Uh, what else, Brad? If if people want to tell us um, their thoughts on this week's movie, Doctor Giggles, or maybe even put in some some, some suggestions, we're we're going to change themes. We're doing another themed month in November, so that's already picked. So should, should really? we just tell everybody? Doing, yeah, what are y'all doing in November? So, Brad. Well, oh, you don't have to tell me if you don't want to. You no, I, I, we actually <laughs> will probably do a better job of um, putting things out a little bit farther in advance so people can like prepare to play along. Um, but November for the record, for the record, anybody that doesn't know, I have access to their schedule, <laughs> so I could actually look it up right now. If yeah, I wanted you could, to. Um, but I'm acting, I'm acting like, Oh, really? What are you guys? <laughs> yeah. Brad, what, what, how, how are we closing the year out? 
Yeah, we're going to do uh, Noir Vimber, and then oh, nice, nice. Uh, then we're going to do the biggest bombs of 2023 in December. Yeah. And then we'll kind of get back on just doing normal everyday films in January yeah. and February. You, all don't, that stuff, so. you don't have enough weeks in December for the amount of bombs you had Ooh, this year. I, we, Troy and I were talking about that today. We could pick about 50 films. Yes. pretty It's pretty crazy. I mean, I can think of like almost 10 like immediately. Well, it's it's already the end of October. We have not filled our December list out because we can't decide. We keep going back and forth on our picks. Um, and there's going to be some that spill over to next year. But for for November, and we'll release, we'll we'll talk about it um, the next week. But we'll tell you everything we're going to do in November. And they're, they're modern film noir. Uh, although one of the modern ones, we're also going to talk about the original one. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's going to be really interesting. We're going to have a lot of guests on for that one, too, because as soon as we sort of expressed interest in it, uh, you know, film noir in and of itself has has a pretty big following, um, yep. both for the classics and the new ones. And um, it's kind of it's kind of nice to be a film noir fan because between Kino Lorber um, and even some Australian labels who are putting out sort of these modern film noir box sets. There's a lot of access to it. And um, AFI is just wrapping up their Noir City film event. Um, and it goes through, I think, till the 26th. So if you want to see some of the stuff on the big screen and you're on the East Coast, you can go to Silver Springs, Maryland and catch uh, some film noir stuff. I got to see Key Largo on the big screen for the first time. It was awesome. Nice. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, Brad, who else should they be listening to outside of us and the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema? Well, first, our email address is notabombpod oh, yeah, at yeah, gmail.com. Yeah. That one. Or you can go to our website, notabombpodcast.com, hit the contact us button, or you can hit us up on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, they should be listening to um, the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, Watch Skip Plus, the VHS Files, Night of the Living Podcast, Backlook Cinema Podcast, the Mixtape Podcast, and Raiders of the Podcast. And please check out our listener, John's YouTube. Uh, that is, and now for something a little bit different. Yes, and uh, Halloween's right around the corner. So for those who selected our films for this month, you're getting ready to get your treats. Those should be going out this week. Yes. So uh, we hope you enjoy that. Um, I guess, is that is that it? We got the email out. All the people in your list too. Is that yeah. pretty good? We're good. Yeah. Find Fright Night Two before uh, next week. There you go. Okay. And don't watch Skinner Marink. And don't watch Skinner Marink. Yeah. Um, and you know, if you don't want to listen to that episode either, that's fine. You're not going to hurt our feelings. It's just going to be four grown men crying for you know however long. Yeah, I'll be interested to see how that goes. Yeah, it it will be. Uh, well, <laughs> let's just say no alcohol because now it'll really go to dark places if we drink, but. Um, it'll, it'll be a fun breaking Brad. I'm drinking. Oh, okay. <laughs> every time I hit play, every time I hit play on that film, I just start drinking again. <laughs> Ooh, that's bad for your health, man. All right. I don't know if you're listening in the morning, the afternoon or evening. Thanks for downloading the episode and hearing our thoughts on Dr. Giggles. As Brad said, go check out YouTube, watch Fright Night part two, then come back next week. And, um, let's, let's close out Spooktober with uh, a fun vampire film. So we'll see you then. Go lose your head. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>